Hey everybody, welcome to Salem Fields Community Church. I'm Pastor Chris, and I hope you're doing well here as we get into the last week of July already. Can you believe it? And with everything going on, know that you're in the right place here today, and we're grateful to have you join us for worship. So go ahead and check in on social media and let your friends know that they too can join us online from wherever they are. And we want to invite you to continue to give your tithes and offerings, especially as we know that during the summertime, some people are in and out on vacation, and there's a number of super easy ways that you can do that, including the text to give option at the bottom of your screen through the website, the give button on the live stream page, or you can also snail mail a check. And we want to thank all who have continued to give faithfully as we know and we trust that God will provide for all of our needs because that's the way God works. And if you have any prayer requests or any concerns or questions, be sure to fill out a connection card online by visiting salemfields.com contact or by clicking the blue button at the top of the live stream page. And there's a number of great opportunities to connect and to share the real hope of Jesus with our neighbors and with our community. And on Friday, July 31st, our Children's and Family Ministry is going to be hosting a summer meetup at L'Oreal Park from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. It's going to be super fun. There's going to be games and a craft for parents and for kids from preschool age kids all the way up through elementary. And it's all going to be social distance appropriate, of course. And be sure to invite some friends, neighbors to join. All are welcome. Just bring a chair, a sack lunch, and plenty of sunscreen for the day. And registration is also now live for our third drive-in movie night of the summer. Woohoo! On Friday, August 7th, when we're going to be showing E.T., the extraterrestrial. It's one of my favorites. And we're also going to have food trucks on site, Taco Tuesday, and Chill on Wheels for some great eats. So come and join us and party like it's 1982. But you're going to need to sign up for that. You need to sign up for your free ticket at SalemFields.com movies. And we also want you to know that Salem Fields Learning Center currently has openings for all ages for the fall, including school-aged children who need support for distance learning. So please email learningcenter at salemfields.com for details or to schedule a tour. And just a couple of quick reminders that in addition to our online worship services, we will have live in-person worship every week at our church auditorium at 9 a.m. on Sunday. And we even have special goodie bags for kids. So we want to encourage you to come to that to register at SalemFields.com slash reopening if you're planning on joining us. And while masks are required, it's a really great way to gather together. And we really look forward to seeing you in person soon. And every Sunday, we're also going to continue to have a special kids ministry program at 1020 here online, followed by a youth ministry program at 1035 at SalemFields.com slash live and also by Facebook Live. So no, we're glad that you're here. And today we're excited to continue our series called Family Reunion with a really powerful message from Pastor Jerome. So stand up, sit down, take a last sip of that coffee or do whatever you need to, to prepare for an encounter with our Savior and Redeemer as we gather here online today. So let's get ready to worship.
and continues to work through human history to bring about his purposes. And in this message series that we've titled Family Reunion, we've been focusing on our core scripture from Matthew chapter 1, which is the genealogy of Jesus, which Jesus's family tree can be traced all the way back to Abraham. And in other parts of scripture, we learn that Jesus's family tree can also be traced all the way back to Adam. So Jesus comes to us as the fulfillment of God's promises, but also how God continued to work through people just like you and just like me and just like our families in order to fulfill his ultimate plan. So here are these words from Matthew chapter one, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amminadab. Amminadab, the father of Nation. Nation, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And so that's where we're going to pause today because Pastor Jerome is going to be sharing a message on this person of Ruth included in the family tree of Jesus and how God continues to work through history, as well as families like yours and mine. Sometimes in this journey I get lost in my mistakes What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength my story isn't over, my story's just begun If you won't define me, cause that's what my father does If you won't define me, cause that's what my father does Lay your burdens down Here in the father's house Check your shame at the door It ain't welcome anymore Ooh, You're in the Father's house Arrival's not the end game The journey's where you are Never wanted 
perfect, you just wanted my heart And the story isn't over, if the story isn't good The figures never find a win, the father's in the room The figures never find a win, the father's in the room to uh, be with you today, whether you're watching us online or you are working, uh, you're doing a live service, a uh, live venue at the church. I'm so glad to be able to come uh, to you today through this technology. And um, we are moving into the future. Uh, I was bringing some box over to my office here and I, I saw this picture uh, there in my things. I kept it about 16, 17 years ago, we started a journey going forward by faith. This building that I'm in right now had not been built yet, and you were faithful, and you went forward by faith, and with some great leadership of Buddy and Gay and their family, you have moved the church forward and have moved forward by faith, and I'm excited about that. Well, we are once again taking a faith journey, a journey that will start in a couple of weeks. Actually, it started even before a couple of weeks. It started when you started the process of looking for a new leader and all the prayers and uh, all the um, just the real hard work of bringing a new leader to this community. And um, I believe that God has answered prayer, surprised me 
but God has answered prayer, and I'm excited about his answer for prayer, a prayer in my life and in the life of this community. So we're going to keep on going forward. Now, to go forward, we probably wouldn't have thought we would be doing it in a post-COVID-19 or a in the middle of COVID-19, but here's the good news. The God who helped this church go forward and literally change this community is the same God that's waiting for us in the future. He's not in the past pushing us forward. He's in the future beckoning us to him. He knows exactly what he's doing he says, I have plans for you, plans to help you and not to harm you, plans to give you a, a hope and a future. So amidst all the stuff that's going on in our world, uh, at home and uh, abroad and all the things that we are dealing with personally and in our communities and our families, God is still present. God is still on the throne. I read something today on Facebook that said, um, whether Democrat or Republican, whether mask or unmask, uh, no matter what the situation, black or white, what the situation is, God is still in charge. And that is really, really good news. So as we continue this journey of going forward by faith and trying to understand what it means to belong, not just attend, not just check off the boxes, but to really belong in community and by belonging be used of God, to change the world, to bring hope to those all around us living without hope, no matter who they are, no matter where they come from, no matter what their journey has been, to be purveyors of hope. And so I'm excited about the journey. I'm excited about where God is going to take us. And let me give me opportunity to pray for you today and to pray for our future as a community of faith. Father God, I thank you so much today. I thank you so much today that you have brought us to this, this, this point in our history. Lord, this is nothing by accident. You have prepared this. You knew that this was coming. And so, Father, here we are, and we ask, Father, that you would work through us, that you would use us, that you would transform us from the inside out. Father, that you would take us on a new journey, a journey that goes outside of these walls, inside our communities, maybe in, in restaurant gatherings and home gatherings and community gatherings. But Father, you're going to take us out of here because COVID-19 will mean that we need to go in different ways. And so, Father, we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for our past history, our past leaders and Buddy and Gay and, and our past staff. And Father, we thank you for what you have done to bring us to this part. We thank you for the lives that have been changed and transformed because Salem Fields Community Church went forward by faith. And now, Father, as we continue to go forward, Lord, would you uh, help us to go where you are, to meet you where you are, and to be participants in what you're doing through your spirit in this community and our schools and our neighborhoods and our and our government, Father. Lord, we just want to be a place of hope and a place where people can belong. And Father, we believe that if that's our heart's desire, that we believe that's your heart's desire, that people would belong, that people would come to know you as Lord and Savior, that people's lives would be transformed. Lord, we believe that you're in that. And so we join you in that effort these days. We love you, Father. We thank you for what you have done. We thank you for what you're doing right now in the midst of COVID-19 and all the stuff going on in our world. And we thank you for what you are going to do in the future in us and through us for your kingdom, 
for your glory. We pray together. Thank you. Amen and amen. Thank you for this opportunity to spend some time with you. I'm looking forward to being with you really, really soon. God bless you. Hey, what a great blessing to hear from our new pastor, James Hayward. Just uh, two weeks, he'll be with us. And then three Sundays from today, he'll be speaking on the weekend. And I'm looking forward to his arrival. And I'm sure you are as well. Let's be praying for him. Another thing we can be praying about is how we're connecting to our community. And we have a great opportunity to help Smith Station Elementary School with uh, providing school supplies for their students. Now, I know many of you recognize that the school won't be opening on time, but students are still going to need their supplies. So we're going to have a list of things on our website and on Facebook. And I hope that you will do your best to help bring some supplies in and supply these young people with uh, what they need to really get rolling in school in a couple of weeks, really, not too long, too far down the road. So let's be praying for our kids and all that's going on during this COVID virus changeover. Families are in a lot of stress. We want to pray and reach out and help in every way we possibly can. You know, uh, I love the Bible. In fact, today I have with me uh, the Bible that uh, belonged to my mother-in-law. And I think that's uh, pretty pertinent because our story today is the book of Ruth and how Ruth loved her mother-in-law. And I loved my mother-in-law. She was a great woman of God. And I'm so thankful for my family. My dad was a great uh, preacher. And when he preached, he told the stories of the Bible in such a way they came alive. I remember him telling about Daniel in the lion's den and David killing Goliath. I'm telling you, folks, I've got such great stories. And I remember hearing them across the years as he would preach. But actually, as I grew up in all that great environment, I thought that the Bible was just a collection of great stories of these men and women and what they had done. I never really understood until I went to college and had Old and New Testament of how the stories all flow together. This is a family and the history of our family from Adam to the birth of Christ and then through the works of the apostles and the church to us today. And so it's a great history book for us as we think about who we are and from where we come. And so we've been trying in this sermon series to help you understand a little bit about the lineage of Jesus. And Matthew 1 records for us the beautiful story of 42 generations of the history of Jesus from Abraham to David and to the fall of the kingdoms and to Jesus, 42 generations. And so we have that listing. And then if we put other genealogies together throughout the Bible, we can trace our lineage from Jesus all the way back to Father Adam and Mother Eve. I'm telling you folks, we have a very reasonable faith, a very traceable history, and no other religion on the face of the planet can reach back as far as we can in our Christian faith. Our Judeo-Christian heritage is a marvelous thing, and I hope you never take it for granted. Today, out of that great group of people in Matthew chapter 1, we're going to be looking at a family. Primarily, the woman is Ruth. That's the name of the book. But it's a story of Ruth, her mother-in-law, Naomi, and her husband-to-be, Boaz, and the son they bring into the world, Obed, the great, the grandfather of King David. So it's a, a tremendous story of how God uses people. And so I want to sort of just tell you the story of the book of Ruth. I have it before me. It's four chapters. And essentially, it's, it's like this. Elimelech, his name means my God is king, and his wife, Naomi. And Naomi, I love her name. It means pleasantness. 
So she was a wonderful person in name and I'm sure in character. And their two sons, Malon, which means sickness, and Chilion, which means wasting, and they were all living in Bethlehem. It's kind of interesting, these two sons' names, <laughs> sickness and wasting. Uh, I'm not sure if that's because they were sickly at birth or what, but uh, they don't live very long because Elimelech owns a small amount of property in, in uh, the area of Bethlehem there close to Jerusalem. But a famine strikes the land and he feels he must move his family in order to survive. And really that's setback number one. We're talking about setbacks today. Have you ever had any in your life? Well, I want you to know Naomi and her family had some big setbacks. So they all pack up and they travel, uh, they travel to the land of Moab which is about 50 miles away on the other side of the Dead Sea. So they had to go up over the Jordan and down into Moab. And uh, there were basically friendly connections with Moab. Moab is uh, the son of Lot. If you recall that story after uh, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, we have Lot and his wife trying to escape with their two daughters. Lot's wife looks back, turns into a pillar of salt. And then later on, uh, because of drunkenness, Lot has children with his two daughters, actually, Moab and Edom. And so those become the fathers of those countries that we call, and one is called Moab. And so they went to that country, and uh, there were friendly relations at the time. They kind of went back and forth in the peace and, and the war, but uh, at this particular point, there was peace. And they felt like they could move there. So Elimelech took his wife and uh, his two boys, and they went there to Moab. Well, after arriving, I don't know exactly how long, but Elimelech dies, leaving Naomi a widow. And boy, that's a setback. To be a widow woman in a foreign country, whew, she, they didn't have social security. And I'm telling you folks, she was in a heap of trouble. And then Ruth's two sons marry Moabite women. Now that's not a terribly bad thing. Uh, and they're starting to develop a family. And so uh, Malon marries Ruth. And I, I like Ruth's name. It means a sight, something worth seeing. So you can just imagine uh, that uh, she must have been a beautiful woman. And Chilean marries Orpah, which means fawn or gazelle, deer or gazelle. And after 10 years in the country, both her sons die, leaving Ruth a widow in a foreign country, childless and needing to support two barren, that's childless also, daughters-in-law. These are some more setbacks, setbacks three and four, maybe you could say. She's in a foreign country. She's a widow now. Her two sons have died. Loss of a child. Oh my goodness. She's going through it. Then she hears that the famine back home in Bethlehem has ended and she decides to return with her two daughters-in-law. On the way, she realizes how hopeless things would be for them as mature widows in a foreign land. Can you imagine that? Here are these ladies. They're probably pretty much around 40 years old and they would be widows in a foreign country, and, and as much as she loves them, Naomi realizes it's not going to be good for them there. So she begs them to stay in their homeland with their families. So that's setback number five, and they both weep, and they say, no, no, we love you, we're going with you. So you see there, Naomi must have been a wonderful lady. Her daughters-in-law loved her, but she kept prevailing on them, and ultimately, Orpah decides to say, stay. And I thought it's interesting, her name Gazelle, dear, so she bounds on back home. Uh, uh, decides to stay. We can't really criticize her for that because that's what Naomi kept encouraging them to do. But finally, Ruth says, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from you. 
where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Oh, what a powerful statement. We still use that statement today in wedding ceremonies. We use it as a challenge to people in commitment to say, I'm going to be with you. You are my people. Your people are my people and your God is my God. Where you die, she goes on to say, I will die and there I will be buried. And she even goes on to say, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you from me. I'm telling you, folks, she's serious about this commitment. In fact, Alexander White, one of the historic authors said, there is not a love story comparable to the love of the Moabite daughter-in-law for her Hebrew mother-in-law. I mean, this is a powerful story that we're getting into here with Ruth and her mother-in-law. So Naomi accepts Ruth's decision to go with her and they go to Bethlehem where Naomi's old friends shout, it is Naomi. And she replies, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasantness. Instead, call me Mara because the Lord has made my life very bitter. I've had too many setbacks. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. She returns a sad and broken woman. Setback number six. Think about all she's been through in the last 10 years. Forced by famine to leave family and friends to move to a new land. Her husband dies. Both her sons died. I tell you folks, as a minister over nearly 50 years, the loss of a child is just about the greatest thing I can imagine as far as grief and pain are concerned. She lost two sons. She realizes that she cannot properly care for her two daughters-in-law, whom she loves. And she begs them to stay in Moab, their home, where they can be taken care of better. And she returns and calls herself Mara, bitter. She's broken and wounded inside because she went away full and came back empty. This woman is beaten to a pulp. I mean, I believe she had great faith in God, but the setbacks of life have just about conquered her. Have you ever been there? <laughs> I'm sure you may not have been quite to where she was, but you've been close. I'm sure some of you have had some great setbacks in life. You've lost those you loved dearly. You've been hurt by those you loved dearly. You've been beaten down financially. You've suffered sickness and disease. You know, COVID-19 seems to be draining the very life out of you. Maybe you're worried about world unrest, protests, wars, terrorism. All these things may be sapping your joy. At times, do you feel like God has left you empty? Are you getting bitter about it? I want you to examine your heart and your spirit and think about what Satan's trying to do. You see, we need to face the enemy and declare like daughter-in-law Ruth, I will not turn back. Even though Naomi was beaten down, she still kept moving forward. And I'm sure Ruth was a help to her in that. And we need the help of others. We need our earthly family, our spiritual family, our church family, to continue to move through some of these big setbacks we face. But most of all, we need the help of God and the determination that says, I will not turn back. I will not turn back. I pray that the words of this song that you're going to hear now will be your testimony of victory in the face of your setbacks. Christ is enough. No turning back.
Bye. 
So what can we learn from all of this? Well, I'll tell you what we can learn from what we've read already in the first chapter of Ruth is that's what it is, the first chapter. There are three more chapters to come. God's not finished yet. And if you're going through a setback right now or a series of setbacks, I want to remind you, you're still alive. God's not finished yet. There's still more to come. Trust him. Walk with him faithfully like Ruth did with Naomi. And you know, I'm sure that helped Naomi to have Ruth with her. I'm sure she was an encouragement. Even if it were just, I've got this responsibility, I better do my best to have a good witness in front of her. I believe that Naomi was a godly woman and she overcame her bitterness and her anxiety to say, I will still live a life of respect for God and a life that people can look up to. And so when they returned to Bethlehem, it was, the, it was the season of harvest of barley. And as was the custom in those days, the farmer, when he was, when he was harvesting his crops, he would leave some of the, the crop around the edges of the field and even throughout the field for the widows and the poor people to glean. In other words, so they could come behind the harvesters and have enough to survive. It was kind of their welfare program of the days, but the people had to work for it. That's a, that's a good setup, if you ask me. And so uh, they would go out and do that. And Ruth, being industrious, wanting to do her part for the family, decides to go out and do just that. And I love the fact that the Bible says, it just so happened that she chose a field that belonged to a rich man named Boaz, who just happened to be a near relative of Elimelech and Naomi. Isn't that interesting? There's no previous mention of having known that that was his field. The Bible indicates it just so happened. You know, when you're trying to live for God and do his will and stay on the right side of things, it's amazing how wonderful things just happen. No, there's a great God who's leading and guiding, and he wants you to know his perfect will for your life. So one day as Boaz is out checking out his fields, he checks out this beautiful woman. Remember Ruth's name? A sight worth seeing. <laughs> I think he saw her and he began to ask the guys, hey, who is this new one out here? And they told him, well, that's Naomi, who, that's Ruth, who came back with Naomi. And uh, her, it's her daughter-in-law, and uh, she's uh, started working out here. And he starts meeting with her and tells her how impressed he is that she has come back with Naomi and that she's uh, willing to work out in the fields. And he and Ruth begin to kind of hit it off out there, and he takes good care of her. And he asks about Naomi and talks with her, tells her he's very impressed with her. He's kind to her and make sure she is protected and has plenty to glean. In fact, she goes home every day with plenty of food for herself and Naomi, and she continues to working his field throughout the barley and wheat harvests. It's a great story. Then after quite a while has passed and the harvest has ended, Ruth talks with Boaz one night during the celebration of the harvest, and he pledges to take care of her. 
He also notes that there is one a relative who is more closely related to Elimelech and Naomi than he is, and he must first give that person a chance to buy Naomi's land and take care of her and marry Ruth. So Boaz decides to do the right thing, and he meets with that relative, and he gathers in 10 of the city counselors, the city wise men, and finds out when he presents it to the nearest relative that the man is willing to buy the property. And immediately we say, oh no, that's setback number seven. We don't know this guy. We don't want him. We want Boaz, the rich, kind man who already seems to have a great deal of interest in Ruth and taking care of Ruth and Naomi. And so we're going, oh no, don't let that guy step in. But when he learns that he must also marry Ruth, he declines for personal reasons. I, I don't know if he were already married or if he had uh, not enough money or what exactly was the deal. But he says, oh, no, I, I can't do that. So immediately Boaz says, well, then I will take care of all that is necessary. I will buy the property. I will marry Ruth and the 10 counselors, the city wise men approve. You know, I believe I'm beginning to see God doing something. Don't you? Boaz buys the land. He marries Ruth. God gives them a son named Obed. Obed becomes the father of Jesse. And Jesse is the father of King David. Are you starting to get the picture? Because Jesus is straight in the lineage of King David. Our great king, our great savior, comes through the lineage of David. And suddenly Ruth, this woman from a foreign country, is in the lineage of Jesus. It's amazing to me how God is working, even through these apparent setbacks. Are you kidding me? I mean, just think about it. Ruth, a Moabite, barren, widowed, poor, 40-year-old woman with a heathen background, finds herself the great-grandmother of King David. This is a mind-blower. And the crazy thing is, even at this point, Ruth doesn't know all of this. She just knows that God's taking care of her in a mighty way. But actually, God has just woven this Moabite widow into the thread. He's taken the thread of her life, actually, and woven it into the, the history of the people of God, both before and after Jesus. She's a Gentile by birth. She's not a Jewish person. But yet Ruth becomes part of the chosen line through which Jesus, the Savior of the world, appears. Since he came to redeem both Jews and Gentiles, don't you just think it's fitting that the blood of both should be mingled in his veins? Ruth, in the lineage, the family tree through which Jesus is born. And, and as mind-blowing as that is, don't forget, Boaz, think about Boaz. He is the son of Rahab, the prostitute. Rahab, the harlot from Jericho that Pastor Rich preached, Rich preached about last week. I mean, it's, it's amazing when you put this picture together of Boaz and Ruth. I'm telling you, is our God amazing or what? How he can work. You think you have setbacks? These people had some major setbacks, major obstacles to overcome. Yet God knew their hearts of commitment, heard their cries, and he saved them. And not only did he save them, he used them amazingly in his plan to bring salvation through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And by the way, remember Naomi, the one with all those setbacks, the one who says, I am bitter because the Lord made me empty. Naomi loves 
our new little grandson, Oban. I mean, <laughs> grandmothering is a great deal. I'm a grandfather. If I'd have known how good it was, I'd have had those grandchildren first. Uh, I'm telling you, that's a wonderful experience. And she was reveling in this new grandson. And the women of the city even shout, Naomi has a son. It's amazing that Ruth gives birth, but the women shout, Naomi has a son. Think about it. What a turnaround. And not only does Naomi have a son, but listen to what the women said to Naomi and Ruth 4, 14 and 15. Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. He has not left you without hope. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, and they're talking about Ruth here, your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Wow, what a powerful thing to say to Naomi, to remind her that God has not left her empty. And what a powerful thing to say about Ruth and how wonderfully she has treated Naomi, better than seven sons. Why were the women saying all this, though, about Naomi? Not particularly about Ruth in the first sense. Why? To make sure that Naomi understood that what she said in chapter 1, verse 21, the Lord has brought me back empty. It's just not true. It's just not true. You have blessings you haven't even begun to understand that are happening in your life. Oh, folks, if you could just learn, if all of us could just learn to wait, trust in God. He's promised to see us through if we could wait and trust him. All our complaints, all of our little fist shaking, oh God, where are you? Why aren't you working? Oh God, you've forgotten me. All our complaints against God would be proven untrue, just like it was with Naomi, who said he's brought me back empty. No, he brought you back with a loving daughter-in-law and a plan not only to take care of you in your temporary life, but to come into the world in the form of Jesus to change the lives of people for eternity. Praise the Lord. Oh, what an amazing God we serve who's able to do these things. So you have to ask yourself at this point, who is this book, Ruth, really all about? I mean, is it about Ruth or is it about Naomi or is it about Boaz, Obed? Well, frankly, folks, it's about all of them because each one of them plays a vital part in God's big eternal plan. Naomi was a God-fearing, God-honoring woman who was loved dearly by her daughters-in-law. I mean, she must have had a great faith in God. It must have been a wonderful, pleasant woman. She was such a force for God that her heathen daughter-in-law, Ruth, comes to a point of faith in God where she proclaims, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Oh, that is powerful. You know, there are parents, thousands of them today, Christian parents who have a heavy load and that load would be lifted if only their unsaved, their unsaved children would come home one day confessing, your people are my people. Your God is my God. Oh, I remember when my son came back to the Lord and said that. I love the Lord, all oh, folks. But Ruth testified to Naomi in that commitment sentence. It's what we're praying for, for our unsaved children, our unsaved loved ones, our unsaved friends. Folks, let's make sure we so live like Naomi did, that people around us want what we have. They want to serve our God. The miracle that happened in the heathen heart of Ruth 
is the same miracle that can still happen today because the God who won that young widow of Moab to himself is still alive and well and working in our world today. Satan is a liar. God is in control. God is still alive. And when you pray, big things can happen. So pray for your unsaved loved ones. Trust that God can reach them. I'm telling you, folks, through the witness of Naomi, he changed the life eternally of a woman from Moab named Ruth. And he used her life to bless the entire world through Jesus. Oh, folks, be faithful to God. And then think about Boaz. Boaz. I mean, he could allow himself to be a victim in a culture that probably wanted to reject his half foreigner status. You know, he's half foreigner. He's married. His mother was the one that married, and uh, she's from that Jericho city. She was a prostitute. He's not one of us. But instead, he so lived and rose above that challenge to live a righteous life that brought him wealth and the respect of his peers in the community. He could have ignored the rights of the man who was the closer relative and claimed Ruth of his wife. But he did what was right instead, and God was able to bless him greatly. You know, when God can trust you, he can give you a lot of good things. That's why the Bible says it's harder for a rich man to enter into heaven than a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Why? Because once we get too much, it's, it's hard for God to trust us because we'll go our own way, do our own thing. But Boaz honored God, and God was able to bless him with riches and with a wonderful wife and child and a wonderful mother-in-law. And I'm telling you, folks, he'll do the same for you if you will honor him and be trustworthy with what he gives you. Naomi, she could have given up at the point of any one of her many setbacks. She could have just said, fully on it all, I'm going to go my own way. Instead, even in pain, in deep grief, and in doubt, she kept moving forward and still trusted God to make a way for her, and he did. You see, the book of Ruth was written to help us see the signposts of the grace of God in our lives and to help us trust his grace even when the clouds are so thick we can't even see the road ahead, let alone the, side, the signs on the side of the road. Let's go back and remind ourselves it was God who acted to turn each setback into a stepping stone to joy and that it's God in all of our bitter situations who's plotting for our good. So think about it. Here's the beautiful conclusion that was reached with Ruth being lifted out of obscurity into a happy marriage with Boaz, the mighty man of wealth. I mean, this story provides us with one of the first records in world history of a truly rags-to-riches rise from poverty to plenty. It's the story of Ruth. I mean, you want to talk about rags-to-riches, that girl experienced it. Why? Well, she was a heathen idolater who became a healthy follower of God. She was a foreign outsider who became a family insider. She was widowed and barren, and she became wedded and blessed. She was in earthly poverty, but God lifted her not only to earthly, but to eternal riches. What's he want to do in your life? Think about it. They never really knew what God had done in the eternal plan. They just knew about the temporary plan. But God had something far greater in mind. And I challenge you today to believe that about whatever setback you're facing. Not only can he see you through that setback, but he can bless and use you in spite of it and do things through your life that you never imagined. Powerful preacher John Piper says, 
The life of the godly is not a straight line to glory, but they do get there. I was preaching one time, hit me like a ton of bricks right in the center of the message. God has promised to take me home to heaven. That means whatever I'm facing, he must get me through. It's kind of like, I know the end of the story. I may be behind at halftime, but I catch up because I've seen the end of the story. I've watched the end of the video. I know that our team wins. And I know that somehow God's going to bring me through and do things in my life I never could have imagined. John Piper and others going to say that the life of the godly is not an interstate road through Nebraska, flat and easy. But it's a state road through the Blue Ridge Mountains of Tennessee. I was just down there, and I know what he's talking about. There are rock slides and precipices and dark mists and bears and slippery curves and hairpin turns that make you feel like you're going to go backwards in order to go forwards. But all along that hazardous, twisted road that doesn't seem to let us see very far ahead, there are frequent signs that say the best is yet to come. God's still working, and at the bottom right-hand corner, with an unmistakable handwriting are the words, as I live, says the Lord. This is the promise of God. There's more to come. Praise God. He's promised us a home forever in heaven. In my father's house are many mansions. I've gone to prepare you a place there. You may feel like you're in setbacks. You may feel like you're in poverty. You may feel like you're an outcast. You may feel like you're in the deepest grief that you could ever experience. And you may be there, but he's promised better things ahead. He's promised one day we're going to see him face to face. And if we're faithful, hear him say, well done. So I just say to you, keep doing what God wants you to do. Keep trusting him. Keep believing in the middle of your fear. He's your, he's your strength and shield in the middle of your grief. He's your salve and your sustenance and your source of strength in the middle of pain. He's your comfort. I want to challenge you today. You can go through life alone. You can go through life in your own strength and end up dying and having no real sense of the future. But you can also live every day in the middle of dark times sometimes, knowing my God is for me. Who can be against me? Praise the Lord. Oh, man, folks. The book of Ruth is one of those signs for you to read, those roadsides along the way. It was written, and I've been trying to preach it here to give you some kind of mid-summer encouragement, mid-COVID encouragement, mid-crazy world and situations. Encouragement and hope that all the perplexing terms, turns in your life are not dead end streets. Those setbacks in your life are not dead ends. God is working for your good. He's plotting your joy. <laughs> if the story of Ruth, think about this now. If this beautiful Bible story of Ruth just ended in a little Judean village called Bethlehem. Remember that, by the way. With an old grandmother hugging her new grandbaby. That'd be pretty short-lived. I mean, that's a story that we could go around and see just about anywhere. But this story doesn't end there. We're reminded that this child, Obed, is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Suddenly realize that all along in this plan from chapter 1 to chapter 4, Something far greater has been in the works than we could imagine. God was not only working for the temporary blessing of a few Jews in Bethlehem, he was preparing for the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, who would be born in Bethlehem. This simple little story opens out like a stream into a great river of hope and the eternal, eternal plan of God. That's what we 
long for. That's what we look for. We're not about the temporary and the setbacks of life knocking us here and there. We're about a journey that is eternal. Hold on. Put your hand in the mighty hand of God and keep walking. Like Ruth said to God himself, I'm with you. I'll not turn back. And so today I want to challenge you. That's what it takes to be a mighty man or woman of God. That's what it takes to be a mighty teenager or child of God. That commitment that says, I'm going to do what God wants me to do, no matter what everybody else does, no matter what everybody else says. If my own sister turns back, I'm going forward. I'm going to do what God wants me to do and experience the eternal plan of God. You see, Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz, as wonderful as they are to us today, there was no way they would ever have known what God did in the succeeding generations. They didn't know about the coming of Jesus. They knew it was prophesied, but they didn't know they were a part of it. In this life, the full impact of what God did through them, they never knew. But they didn't give up. They kept walking forward, and God blessed them mightily in their temporary circumstances and used them overwhelmingly in his eternal plan of salvation. I'm telling you folks, you have no idea what God's up to in your life. Can you just trust him? Keep your devotion to Jesus. Never give up. You got setbacks? Always know God's got something better in mind. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I love you today. And I know in my own life, I've experienced what I'm trying to talk about. There are setbacks. There are troubling times. There are things that hit us we don't understand. But I'm so glad, Lord, when we keep our little hand in your big hand, we can trust that you're working far beyond what we can understand. And so, Lord, I'm going to keep trusting you. I'm going to keep walking with you. And I pray for every precious person listening right now, from the youngest to the oldest, that you would challenge them. I've got eternal plans for you, child. I've got things far beyond what you can imagine, child. Trust me. Walk with me. And so, Lord, help us to be the people hear your voice say yes and like Ruth say where you go I will go your people will be my people and God you are my God praise the Lord amen <laughs> praise the Lord I want to encourage you just let God use your life just say to him Lord here I am I'm available use me as you will God bless you
Wow, what an awesome service. Well, thanks so much for joining us today and be sure to hop on Facebook Live on Monday at 2 p.m. And that's when we're gonna be having our deeper dive and we're gonna be talking to Pastor Jerome about some of the things that he brought up in today's message. So if you'd like to submit a question for that, you can email us at deeperdive at salemfields.com. And we're gonna be having all of our regular virtual meetups and small groups and gatherings this week. So you can check out our Facebook Facebook page for regular updates, or also if you don't currently receive our weekly e-news, you can email us at info at salemfields.com. That way you're kept up to date on the most important announcements and reminders. And we're also going to be hosting Celebrate Recovery in person every Thursday at 7 p.m. in our church building. So spread the word to friends and family as we want to be of support to those who are struggling with hurts, habits, hangups, especially in this time. So don't be a stranger. We hope to see you soon at one of our events in person next Sunday at 9 a.m. or online Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11. So God bless, stay cool, and have a great week.